While we're getting those sheets out, let me bring you up to speed, all right? We're looking at Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Uh, the Lord is at hand, right? So we've been looking at understanding the nature of our emotions, understanding the source of our fear, reviewing the path from unbelief to anxious thoughts, and then tracing the path from anxious thoughts to obsessive thoughts, and then mishandling anxiety with controlling behaviors. Right now, we're looking now at the biblical solution to anxiety. There is a biblical solution to your anxiety. All right? Um, <clears throat> Sam, can you go and help? Anybody know where the pencils are? There's a box of pencils. Farina has them tucked away somewhere. Anybody know where they are? They're in the shop. Okay, they're in the, would, you, would you go and tell Mr. David they're in the, in the, in the, or in, in the shop, in the, in the cabinet with the shop stuff in it? All right, and um, so, so from our passage, we looked at this, that there's a biblical, we need to guard our hearts, right? We need to pray right. Now, pray, praying right, if you need a pencil, just put your hand up as Anthony's going by and grab one from him, and you have to give them back. I always have to say that because I know you're lovely people. And I know you would never steal anything. But we would like the pencils back even, even, even at the... <laughs> so overcoming fear and anxiety starts with the right kind of praying we looked at last week. And right praying is not worrying online. It's coming to God who we seem, uh, whom we see as more than enough. It's a reality check. I'm coming to a God who knows me personally. May I say that God knows you personally? That God knows what goes on inside your head and your heart. God knows the kind of person that you are. He knows you personally. When you come to prayer, you're not coming to a God who says, What's your name again, son? That's not like He knows you personally. When I come to prayer, I come to my Father who is waiting to hear me and to answer. He, he knows ahead of time. So <clears throat> we need to come to God like that. Uh, <clears throat> am I coming to God whom, whom I know will wisely do what's best? Sometimes we have a hard time with that one, don't we? We have a plan, and we want to persuade God of our plan. We want God to do what we need done. And God often doesn't see it your way. And it's not that God doesn't love you, it's just he has a better plan. Remember, the big difference between God's plan and our plan is, our plan is what I need right now. God's plan is what you need to prepare you for eternity. So that often the two don't, don't reconcile. You see, what's, what's best for me right now, what, what would make me feel good right now, and what's going to help me in eternity, may not necessarily be the same thing at all. So when God steps in and does something, he's thinking big term, big plan. So when I come to him, I need to come to him not demanding my way, but knowing that he will do what's best for me. He has the best plan. Uh, am I coming to God who, who I know wants to give me grace to help in time of need? There's grace available for my need, for my burden, for my trouble. So I'm coming to God uh, who knows me personally, uh, who knows wisely what to do, what, what's best, and who can give me grace. And then I need to think right. I need to identify my enemy thoughts. 
of anxiety. Jim Berg uses an, an interesting illustration. He talks about um, <clears throat> during the War of Independence in the States, uh, the English army were readily identifiable. Do you, anybody know how, how readily identifiable they were? Fine. They wore red coats. Isn't that dumb? On the battlefield, going out, you're wearing a red coat. You know, I mean, <clears throat> you could see them coming from miles away. Right? It just shows the arrogance. Uh, you know, they, 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 they wore their red coats and they were, they were easily identifiable. So, you know, everybody knew who they were shooting at. Everybody knew who they were trying to get. I mean, the, 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 the guys with the, with the red coats. Now, here's the problem. If you can identify the enemy, you have a good chance of defeating him. If you can't identify the enemy, there's no way you're going to defeat him. What you need to do is you need to identify what the problem is. Now, if the problem is somebody else, you're sunk. Right? Because you can't fix anybody else. If the problem is your circumstances, you're sunk too, because oftentimes you can't change your circumstances. There's certain stuff you can do, but there's a lot of stuff you can't. The, the, the problem is your way of thinking. All of you will know people in life who just have attitudes that just are absolutely amazing. Uh, I know a guy. He's... Um, <coughs> 47 years old. He's about to lose his job after 17 years. Uh, now, I'm not kidding you, right? I mean, I'm going to spin off a load of stuff for you. And um, his, his wife has um, multiple cirrhosis. And she has uh, cardiomyopia, right? <clears throat> so that she's, she's dwindling away in front of his eyes. He says uh, she's in her 40s, but she's got the body of a 90-year-old. Right, so she's dwindling away in, in front of her eyes. Um, he, he works an hour's drive from, from, from home, and <clears throat> often something will go wrong and he has to go back. But that's not, that's not the worst of it. His son, who is 12, has the same condition. And he has the body of a 50-year-old. And so <clears throat> he, he works with both these problems. And, and now on top of that, he's about to lose his job. But a happier guy you will not meet. Now, if you add up the circumstances in his life, you definitely won't come to the, to the place where somebody's happy. But he's not a believer. <clears throat> if you add up the circumstances in his life, they don't equal happiness. But what you've got somebody is somebody who controls the headspace. Somebody who actually works on the headspace. He, you know, he said to me the other day, he said, um, <clears throat> but it's not the promise you make till death us do part. And he wasn't being um, <clears throat> morbid or anything else. He was just saying he made a promise, and then he was living the promise, and that was fine. He's, he's a good life. He's a, he has a happy life. He plays golf, and um, <clears throat> he thinks his life is great. He's just taken up running recently. And, you know, <clears throat> so many people have got so much less as far as problems are concerned, but their lives are totally dominated by it. It's your headspace that's the issue. It's your headspace that's the problem. Right? You've got to deal with the headspace. And you've got to recognize that's the enemy. The enemy is my headspace. The enemy is not my husband. The enemy is not my wife. The enemy is not the kids. The enemy is not the boss. The enemy is your headspace. You as a believer not only have the power to actually turn your headspace around, but you have the Holy Spirit to empower you, and you have grace to enable you as well. 
So there really is no excuse for us for coming and giving in. But now, that, does, that doesn't say that, you know, uh, immediately, you know, because <clears throat> I've told you a story about a guy, and I've told you there's grace available to you, and you say, okay, great, and you go home with it all sorted out. Okay, that's not the way it works, right? Um, you're going to have to fix some things as far as your thinking uh, is concerned, right? The word anxious or careful uh, <clears throat> carries the idea of a sinful care or worry, and the idea is to be divided by something that you're pulled apart with. You think, what if this happens? And then that'll happen. And what if that happens? And that'll happen. And you think the what if thoughts. Um, <clears throat> Keep running a list of if only thoughts. You, you keep running a list of if only thoughts and what if thoughts. Add to your list any recurring thoughts of doubt and uncertainties. Remember, you are scaring yourself with your thoughts. What do the monsters under your bed look like? <clears throat> keep a journal of upsets to track what times during the day or evening you are plagued with the enemy thoughts of anxiety. Track your thinking, not your feeling. Right? <clears throat> and then you've got to reject your enemy thoughts of anxiety. Now, now, let me say this. This does not come naturally. It doesn't matter who it is that you meet. I don't know how this guy, Pat's his name. I don't know how Pat came to the place where he's at in his head. But it did not come naturally to him. At some point along the line, he dealt with the, with the grim realities in his life, and he decided he was going to have a good attitude anyway. At some point along the way, he decided, and he decided not to give in to the thoughts that would bring him down, but to focus on thoughts that would bring him up. Now, he doesn't have the Bible. He doesn't know Philippians chapter 4. But he's, he's hit that truth. And you'll find many unsafe people do. They hit that truth, and somehow they actually <clears throat> it becomes real to them, and they live differently because of it. You've got to reject the anxiety thoughts. <clears throat> uh, you've got to replace the thoughts. The Bible talks about putting off and putting on. You can't just you know, say, okay, I'm not going to think down thoughts anymore. I'm not going to think anxious thoughts anymore. It's not going to happen. You need to replace the anxious thoughts with something else. Jim Berg says this. <clears throat> during during his, his years in high school, he was away from the Lord, and he, he listened to rock music quite a bit. Right? And it's amazing how, how music actually gets into you. So he, 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 he goes to Bob Jones, because his father made him go for a year, and he gave in, he said he went for a year. The Lord got a hold of him, he got changed, and he wanted to do right, and he wanted to live right. And <clears throat> the problem for him was, though, all the rock music was still in there. And all those thoughts, he would sit down to study, and all those things, all that stinking thinking would, would get going again. And so here's what he decided to do. He decided he would memorize hymns so that he would actually take them. When the, when the thought of the rock music came into his mind, he would instead go to a hymn and deal with the hymn. Now, now let me give you a warning here. This is totally off point of what we're saying. Some of you are still learning the rock music. Some of you are still letting the junk in, still actually memorizing it. And you need to turn a corner at some stage and actually start thinking... Right thoughts. You need to kick that thinking out. And you say, no, it doesn't do me any harm. It's, it's just music. No, listen, it does you harm. It definitely does you harm. And it will stay with you and influence your thinking. Right? You need to kick that thing and you need to replace it with right thinking. Now, <clears throat> here's the problem for us. What's habitual to us is 
comfortable. Have you ever noticed that? What you always do is comfortable. Right? And right thinking is not comfortable to you, at the start at least. Right thinking is, you know, it's kind of hard to do. All right, let me have, let me have a, a raise of show of hands here. How many of you are right-handed? How many of you are left-handed? All right. So we've got about 10% of us here are left-handed tonight, right? Now, if you're right-handed, I want you on the sheet of paper in front of you to write your name with your left hand. And if you're left-handed, I want you to write your name with your right hand. Okay? Right now, see, it's, it, it, it's the opposite hand. Now, writing your name is something you do umpteen times a day. Vayner, we're using your pencil, so you should have one at least. <laughs> right, write your name with, with, with the opposite hand. Now, all right, you got it done. <laughs> now, look, I know your left hand, using the other hand is, is more awkward than using your, the hand you normally use. That, that, that's one side of it. But here's the other side of it. The other side of it is this, right? That when you use your left hand, if you're right hand, you have to think. Which side of the line does the, does the circle on the D go on? You know, how do you do the... Uh, you have to think through it, because you're not comfortable doing it, so you have to think it through differently. Whereas when you're writing your name, you don't even think about it, just do it. Now, here's, here's the point I'm making to you. Wrong thinking is like writing your name. It's just what you do. It's just easy, and you've developed a habit of it, but do you know that you can actually change your habit? That you can change the habit? Now, listen, God forbid that you were to lose your right hand. Do you know that after a while you would write, your hand, write with your left hand just as well as you did with your right hand? It would just become the norm to you. It would just become normal to you. You know, you would just change. Now, here's the thing. You can change the way you think. You can catch the enemy thoughts and you can change them. It won't be easy. If you say, I can't change it, you're defeated before you start. But you can change it. You can turn it around. You can think differently. Leighton? Mm -hmm. The old way is better. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's odd. It's awkward. It's, it's, it's like writing your name. It's kind of odd and awkward and so on. You're so glad to get back and write your own your name. But, but you can change the way you think. Now, in order for you to succeed, you've got to change the way you think. You can't let your thinking dominate your life because it does. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. It's going to have a huge impact upon your life. You've got to decide you, you're going to change. Now, our thinking is very predictable. Look, look on your sheet there, right? Page 47. Since God commands us to fear not in Isaiah 41.10 and be anxious for nothing in Philippians 4.6, then it is entirely possible for you to obey that command with his help, though it may seem difficult at first. You're not to fear 
and you're not to be anxious. Now, if God says that, he didn't say, he didn't spin it off, you know, as a, an impossible thing for you. It's possible for you to do. Right? It, it won't seem easy, but it's possible. Even if life seems overwhelming, you must corral every thought and bring it into obedience to Christ. Here are some practical steps to help you reject the enemy thoughts of anxiety. Sometimes enemy thoughts seem so intrusive. It's as if you can't get them out of your mind. You might even feel almost as if you were being attacked in your mind somehow. Understand, however, that these obsessive thoughts are the product of your repetition and concentration on the doubt or other evil thoughts. Right now, now here's how you become an expert at worrying. You just worry. And you worry. And you worry. And you worry. You know, I, 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 and you become an expert at worrying. And so that when somebody suggests to you that you shouldn't be worrying, you'll say, that's ridiculous. Don't you understand the problems I have? How could I not worry with the problems I have? You're just being ridiculous. No, it's not being ridiculous. God says don't do it. And when God says don't do it, you need to stop doing it. Even though it's hard. Right? Um, our memories work quite predictably. If we review something over and over, our mind remembers it better. If we concentrate on something very diligently, our mind is imprinted more deeply. Lastly, if the thing upon which we are concentrating elicits from a strong emotion, we are sure to remember it more vividly. Right? If we review something over and over, our mind remembers it better. Right? <clears throat> Anyone give me, an, uh, give me a, uh, an illustration of that? Pardon? Okay, poem or song, you know. Now add to that the the, the, the fact that you know, you've got the, the rhyme and, and all the rest of it that goes with it. Those, those things are so easy to remember. Leighton? You never think, just go, just drive home in the car all the time. Now, by the way, that's an interesting one because Leighton moved house about a year ago. You know, and that wasn't his way home. Onto the, and have you ever done this? You were so used to going somewhere that even after you even when you planned going somewhere else, your mind just kicks in. And you, and you just go that way because that's, that's what you always do. You know, your mind gets into, gets into roots of thinking like that and you just do it because you do What about bitterness? How do you stay bitter? Done? Well, write down. That's a good way, isn't it? No, but writing it down is not good enough. You have to. You, have to say. you practice, yeah? You think about it. You remember it. Right? That's why you find really bitter people, you know, that they start talking to you and after a few minutes says, Do you know what he did to me? You know, I know you think he's a nice guy, but you know what he did to me? And the, I tell you, you're not in, somebody who's bitter, you're not in their company long until they've, they've trotted out the story to you too. They've, they've made sure you get, get it. They made, made sure you know. Now here's the problem with trotting it out. When you trot out the story like that all the time, the problem for you is that, you know, you, you embellish it naturally. You embellish the story naturally, so you add bits to it. And for some people at least, when you embellish it enough and trot it out enough, you will end up with a skewed version of the story that you believe to be gospel truth. Because you've, you've, you've said it so often. But, you know, we, we think about it. We think about it and think about it and think about it, and then we're sure. <coughs> um, 
you know, and, and because you repetitively go through it in your mind, you know what? <clears throat> it becomes ingrained in your mind. Now ladies, let me, let me say this. I think sometimes you by nature have a greater problem in this area than us. And, and here's the reason I think, because I think you can actually remember more than us guys can oftentimes, right? Uh, and, and part of the reason why a woman remembers things more than guys do is because things hit a woman on, on the emotional side. And the emotional side that we're talking about here just kind of pushes it deeper. So now you've got the emotional side of it kicking in, and you've got that repetitive rehearsing of the thinking. You know what? you can actually get something embedded in your mind because add high emotion to something and it kind of it becomes explosive in its power in your mind. Now, <clears throat> is it possible for you to change thinking like that? Hey, initially, the reaction is no. How could I change the think that, that thinking? But is it possible for you to actually change thinking about it? And how would you go about changing it? How would you stop using your right hand and start using your left hand? You just have to stop using your right hand. Really, realistically, it would have to be put out of use for us because we couldn't stop using it. But when it comes to your thinking, it's possible for you to stop thinking the wrong way, to catch the enemy thoughts, and bring them to Christ before they ever get going. Now, it wouldn't happen overnight. But it would happen. You, you, you could give it up. You know, talking talk to somebody about give, giving up smoking this week, you know. The, other big, the, the, the hardest part of giving up smoking for most people is not the actual chemical addiction. The hardest part of giving up smoking is the habit. You just do it over and over and it's, it's something, you know, if you smoke 20 cigarettes a day, it means, that means more than one, every, one time every hour you're smoking, so you're doing it all the time, and then all of a sudden you stop. But you can stop doing that, and you can stop thinking in wrong ways too. You've got to identify the thinking that's wrong, and you've got to stop thinking that way. Um, you know, uh, and the strong emotion can kick in and, and really make it seem like it's impossible. Well, say somebody's hurt you very badly in your past. Right? And listen, most of us have some bad hurt in our past. Some is worse than others, I'll grant, but most of us have some bad, uh, bad hurt in our past. Now, <clears throat> either you're going to rehearse that and think about that and talk about that. By the way, I think counseling is helpful. But counseling where you go and you rehash your hurts every week is actually an aid to bitterness. That's all it is. It's an aid to bitterness. You need to be very careful who your counselor is. Just because they have a, a professional name tag over their door doesn't mean they're going to be any help to you. If they just help you to raw mage through it all and go through all the pain again over and over again, I mean, what they're going to do is they're going to help you to embed it deeper in your mind. You, know, you need to be careful of that one. What you need is, you need somebody who's going to challenge your thinking. Listen to you, yeah, and then, but then say to you, you shouldn't be thinking that way. Well, why, why are you thinking that way? And confront you with biblical thinking that should change the way you're thinking. And you say, but that's so mean. I don't want to be around somebody like that. But that's what you need to be around. 
You need somebody who's, who's going to, yes, uh, you know, uh, sympathize with you, but is going to push you beyond sympathy to the place where you actually make some changes in your thinking uh, that begin to turn, turn around, because otherwise the emotional thinking will just swamp you. It will just suck you down and swamp you. You, you need to move on from that kind of thinking. Um, back on your sheet here. We must use these principles of repetition, concentration, and strong emotion to break the habit of thinking wrong thoughts and to imprint believing thoughts in our mind. We must diligently refuse to think again upon the enemy thoughts. They will gradually lose much of their seemingly irresistible force. All right. um, we'll say that every day when you drank your cup of tea in the morning, uh, there was cyanide in it. Right? Now, there was only a little bit of cyanide. It was not going to kill you that day. I know it's possible to get a little bit of cyanide like that, but there's only a little bit of cyanide, just enough in it that it was kind of dangerous for you, right? Um, but the reality is that the cumulative effect of your cyanide was going to completely destroy you, i.e. kill you in the end. Okay? And you say, but I have to have my cup of tea in the morning. I think you could get over the idea of having to have your cup of tea, couldn't you? Yeah, I think you could, and now, some of you have no doubt would actually say, I don't care. Uh, I'm going to have my cup of tea anyway. Uh, but I think, you know, most of us could get over the need for a cup of tea in the morning if it was going to kill us. That wouldn't be easy. Some of you are thinking, oh, no, the only little pleasure I have left in life, my cup of tea in the morning, right? But here's the thing. If you could actually reckon on what it was doing to you, you could stop it. You could drink water. You could get over it, right? Now, if you could actually understand that your thinking is doing the same kind of thing to you on the inside and really come to grips with how damaging it is, then you could begin to deal with the idea of a thinking that's tearing me apart, that's destroying me. Now remember, your emotions come from your thinking. So you end up in a puddle of self-pity. Why do you end up in a puddle of self-pity? Because of what you were thinking. Now, does, does the self-pity help you in any way? No. Does bitterness help you in any way? No. Does bitterness get you even with somebody even? No. It doesn't help in any way. So <clears throat> what you've got to do is you've got to grab the thinking and say, I'm not thinking like that. I will not drink cyanide every day. That's ridiculous. And nobody can, nobody can make you do this one. Right? People, they, they can put you in solitary confinement and say, do not think like that, do not think like that. And you, I don't care, because you can still think in your head, whatever you like. Right? <clears throat> but if you understand the damage it's doing to you, and then you can begin the, the work of changing it. And by the way, the work of changing it is not as hard as we might think it is at first. You know, when you begin, it seems so hard to think a new way and look at things from a different perspective. But after a while, it becomes normal to very quickly you find you're actually, the norm now is to think in a better way. The norm now is to think positive thoughts rather than negative thoughts. The norm now is to th not to be bitter. The norm now is, <clears throat> you've got to challenge your thinking and replace it uh, with something better. What would you do with bitterness in your life? What kind of thoughts would you throw at bitterness in your life to actually change it and turn it around? 
Come on, help me. Okay, why are you thinking of bitter thoughts, right? Okay. Okay, and forgiving. Okay, now that, that would be a great thought for you to begin with, wouldn't it? You know, <clears throat> Jesus forgave me for much worse. Right? The Bible commands me to forgive. If I don't forgive, God says he, he, he won't forgive me. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be the one in trouble with him. I'll be given over to the, to the tormentors. I, I don't want to think this way. This is suicidal thinking. Jeff, you, you said... Thinking good thoughts. Thinking good thoughts. Yeah, change your thinking to, to, to good thoughts. Kind of like uh, this. You know, did you ever do anybody wrong? Of course you did. I mean, um, wasn't right for you to do, do them wrong, but, but you know what? You probably weren't being as downright black-heartedly mean as you presume the person who hurt you was being. You know, when you, when you hurt somebody, you know, it was kind of understandable why you did it. You know, so, so you can challenge your thinking. Aiden? Reconciliation. Reconciliation. I'm supposed to seek reconciliation. I'm supposed to see if I can get this thing sorted out and get this thing right. I'm supposed to go to them and deal with the situation. Well? Pardon? Release them. Sorry, say again? Release them. Release them. Let it go. Forgiveness is the idea of releasing them. And letting it go. Now, what you do is, though, you challenge your thinking. Now, here's what will happen. If somebody's really hurt you, you know what you'll be saying? There's no way you could do that. That's ridiculous. Now, what you're doing there is, you're hugging your chains. What you're doing there is you're in the prison, and you've locked the door on the inside, and nobody can get you out. You've got to actually come to the place where you decide, I'm going to think about this differently. I'm going to look at this differently. I am going to let this go. I'm going to get over this. I'm going to <clears throat> overcome this. I mean, that guy Pat I'm talking about, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I mean, he absolutely amazes me. You know, <clears throat> he lives a full working life. He takes full responsibility for his family. Nobody else is responsible for his family. He said to me the other day, he said, I mean, uh, the next door neighbor is there. She, she could look in if, if she fell down or something. But um, he said, you know, the next door neighbor didn't commit to look after her till she died. I did that one. <laughs> you know, he takes full responsibility for it. And yet, it's not wearing a hole. You, you can change the way you think, Aiden. I think what you're saying about the prison door open from the inside Yeah. You learn. Yeah, so you need to let somebody in when it comes yeah. to when it comes to help. As Christians, why should we be locked up on the inside? And saying that the Lord is already you know, we've already opened the door Yeah. We shouldn't be doing that. Right. But here's the here's here's the basic thought, right? The the, the thinking that's doing you damage, you need to challenge it. You can't accept it. Don't let it have its way. Bringing every thought into obedience, uh, bringing every thought into captivity, into the, to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Every thought has to come into obedience. Would Jesus be okay with me thinking this thought? By the way, your theology comes into this too, because you know what? Sometimes we think, ah, yeah, he, he, he wouldn't mind. He understands what it feels like to, to have all this pain and all this hurt in my life. He, he wouldn't mind. 
And you need to change your theology there and actually realize who he is. No, he, listen, he says, don't, you're not to do that kind of stuff. You need to bring your, your thinking. Uh, right? Now you, can, you can apply that across, across the board with your thinking. If it's not right, if it's doing you damage, it's got to change. It's just got to change. Leighton? And listen, you can have victory over your thinking. You can have victory. God, is, God, God includes that in the deal. You can have victory over your thinking. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, no, 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 you can't have victory there. You can. You can have victory. You can have an, a, a thoroughgoing victory. Back to your thinking here. Um, <clears throat> Here are some practical ways give, <clears throat> to give you practice at rejecting enemy thoughts. Use stop think cards to remind you what to do with anxious thoughts when you notice them. Right? So here's the deal. You, you, you worry about a certain thing. Right? <clears throat> Write yourself up a card. Stop think and the verse on the back of it. Right? <clears throat> You're worrying about losing your job. Right? Um, write yourself up a card and on the back of it, <clears throat> seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You know what? There's, there's a thought to replace the worry. I'll be okay because God will take care of me. Does that happen naturally, by the way? No. You have to do that. You know, I'll be on my own. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, <clears throat> develop ways that you challenge the thinking. And by the way, the Holy Spirit's very good to us. You're having your devotions and you're having a particular problem. He'll often give you just what you need. He'll give you just what you need to combat that. Don't just say, oh, that's very nice. Write it down. And dwell on it then. You know, think on those things because <clears throat> you, you've got to change the thinking. Um, <clears throat> as soon as you recognize the enemy thoughts, ask God to help you resist the temptation to meditate upon it. If you find you have been meditating upon it before you recognize it as an enemy thought, ask God to forgive you for allowing enemy thoughts to become more real to you than the truth about God himself. Then replace your enemy thoughts of anxiety. Philippians 4, it gives us a checklist for our thoughts. We are to think on things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. Right? Now, by the way, it will really help you if you try and memorize that verse just in that form there. Don't go, <clears throat> whatsoever things are, whatsoever things are, whatsoever things are. Just go, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. Think on those things. Right? <clears throat> you know, that's not positive thinking in, terms of, in the terms that the world uses it, but it's Christian positive thinking. You're to think on, <clears throat> on whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. Listen, don't we have an inbuilt bent in us that wants to go towards the bad news? That's why good news is not good news. Bad news is news. All the news that you get in the <clears throat> on the radio, all the news that you read, it's all bad news. You know, rarely do you find some good news. And if, and if they find some, uh, some good news that's, that, that, that's newsworthy, you know, it very stands out starkly among, uh, amongst all the rest of it. Most of the news is bad news. Right? Now, I mean, if you feed on a steady diet 
of bad news. What's it going to do to you? It's going to bring you down. It's got, it's got to bring you down. You know, uh, listen, we're, we're, we're to read prophecy and study prophecy and know prophecy. But you know what? I'm not to be expecting Armageddon every day of the week. I don't wake, I'm not going to wake up in the morning and think, you know, oh, today's going to be Armageddon, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. At the end is, the end is nigh. Uh, I'm sure. And I'm not to live like that. You know, yes, it's coming, and yes, those things are all coming, but you know what? God's taking care of me. But I'm not supposed to live on a steady diet of that kind of tripe. If I do, it's going to do me in. Right? So I've got, I've got to think on, uh, on um, good stuff. Whatsoever is true. Do you know, what do you know that's true out there? Are people true? Not really. Some are, but not really. Right? You know, is what you read in the news true? Not really. <laughs> you know, there's, 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 there's truth in it, but you know what they've done? They've, they've, they've spun the truth, they've, they've put their, their, their spin on it, and you know, they, they, they're, they're delivering it in the way that they think. Remember, the, the, the news writer wants to be the best news writer there is, so he wants to get your attention, so he spins the, uh, the news. Well, what about what the politicians say? Is that the truth? Ah. <laughs> Who would want to be a politician? Who would want to be a politician, right? Um, <clears throat> my mother, if you say to my mother, she said, yeah, but just think of it. I mean, if, you, if you work for four years, you get a pension for the rest of your life. I mean, she, 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 she gets going about that one, right? Um, but, you know, so, so what, you know, you go through your week. What about, what about the TV? Is that true? I'm not saying it's all bad, but is it true? Johnny thinks it's true, do you? <laughs> no, most of it's not true. So where are you going to find something that's true? God's true. God's word is true. And that truth is solid building blocks for life. Now the problem is it counters all the rest of the stuff so often it cuts across it. It can be really annoying. Uh, I think for, for, for guys sometimes, I mean, because guys and girls are, are wired differently. You know, you're watching some emotional uh, thing and the girls are loving it and the guys are saying, yeah, that's not true. That's rubbish. <laughs> right? You know, and if they don't show up, they ruin it for the girls, all right? <laughs> you know, because uh, they, they, they just have this different way of looking at it that kind of, uh, you know, they, they, they can't go with it in the same way. Now, I realize guys go with other stuff in the same way. If you've ever watched the A-Team, I mean, that's, that's, that's just totally ridiculous. You can expect uh, several exploding cars. You can expect cars turning over, landing on their roofs, and everybody crawls out, and they're fine. I mean, uh, I mean that stuff's not true. But there is truth. And truth is solid building blocks in life. The rest of it's fluff. But so often we devote much more of our time to fluff than we do to solid building blocks. Truth. Real truth. And the truth that, 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 that's, you put that truth in, inside, it's such a help to you. You know, I've been going through the men's home. Uh, <clears throat> Trusting God. It's, it's a book by Jerry Bridges, by the way. I didn't, didn't tell you that, guys. But it's a book by Jerry Bridges. And it's, he, he goes through the nitty-gritty of trusting God in all 
the times of your life, in the hard times, in the difficult times, in all of it, the, the, the nitty-gritty of actually trusting God. And it's so helpful. It, what it does is it just builds into your life a solid foundation for living. We need truth. We, we treat it very lightly sometimes, but, but we, we, we need truth. <clears throat> Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. You know, I don't know if you did. I hope you didn't, and you shouldn't have, right? <clears throat> but, I mean, ISIS beheaded those people re recently, and they put it out in video so everybody will watch the gory details of it. Right? <clears throat> now, what they did was, they put it out there to strike terror in everybody's hearts. Right? <clears throat> Totally in, unjust, totally awful, nothing about it nice, normal, right at all. Just and, and the idea was to strike terror in everybody's hearts. And you know what? I wonder how many times did people click on it and watch it and go to bed and have nightmares because of what they saw. <clears throat> you know, you know, it's so easy for us to get caught up in a wicked world that's so unjust. You know, in a wicked world where there's no justice and we get caught up and watch that kind of junk, don't do it. Don't, don't focus on that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> lovely. What about lovely? Are there lovely things in life? Are there? Hey, you look, you look at the newspapers and you wouldn't think there's much lovely. But are there lovely things in life? Yeah, there are lovely things in life. There are lovely things in life. You know, <clears throat> I, I, I love my grandchildren, right? Everybody loves their grandchildren. But here's the thing I love about my grandchildren, right? You know, <clears throat> here you've got these little munchkins. They're not perfect. They've each one got their own <clears throat> issues and so on. But there's a transparency about them that is just lovely. If they want something, they're going to ask for it. They're going to kick up a fuss. You know, they're not, they, they don't know hidden motives yet. You know, there's something so lovely about them. You know, and when they want to demonstrate affection, they'll demonstrate affection. You know, uh, yet There's something lovely about it. There's something lovely, so beautiful about a child. Right? Um, there are lovely things in this world. Nature is lovely. It is just lovely. Listen, there's the right kind of music, and it's lovely. Right? <clears throat> you know, that there are many things that are lovely in this world. And <clears throat> Christians, by the way, have always been the people that, you know, <clears throat> emphasized and worked on the lovely. You know, you'll find the great musicians, you'll find a string of... Christians, you'll find, you know, oftentimes those people who, who worked on the lovely, they were Christians. There are lovely things, and they're good. They're right. They're proper. Focus on those things. Do something just because it's lovely. Go for a walk in the park because it's lovely this time of the year with the leaves. Just lovely is important to us. Here's the thing. We're made in the image of God, and if God created all of it beautiful, and he did, master, a master of beauty. And he, he, he cursed it all because of sin. But he somehow maintained the beauty in it. Somehow he maintained the beauty in it. Listen, enjoy the beauty. Make sure that as part of your life you enjoy beauty. Stop 
pause. Enjoy it. It's not all grim and hard and difficult. There's lovely out there as well. <clears throat> and of good report. Something that's good for something that something that you want to tell somebody because that was a, that was a good story. So, listen, focus on those things. Challenge your thinking. Don't let your thinking go down the common sinkhole. Challenge your thinking. Lift it. Think on things that are good, and that are right, and that are holy, and that are honest, and that are just. Think on those things, and bring your thinking in line. With, <coughs> and keep bringing it in line into the right kind of thinking. All right, it's eight o'clock. Any any questions here? We got another sheet here. Bring the sheet back with you, by, by the way. Um, on page forty-eight, the stuff you really should memorize. Um, God is always good, always. That's just that's just the truth. He is always good, always. Um, God is always great, always. He's always in control. Get these things in your head and and, and think on them, Val. God is real and he is, yeah, it is so helpful. You know, enjoy the things God's given us to enjoy. By the way, a wrong theology said that God does, says that God doesn't like fun. That's a wrong theology. I, I, I grew up in a Catholic church with the theology of God hated fun and anything you could do that was fun, God hated. And that's an absolute lie. There's plenty of things that are fun out there that God wants you to enjoy. And you know what? They're the best fun. The best fun are the things that God gives you freely to enjoy. Enjoy those things. Take them as your blessing and enjoy them. All right, anything else? All right, then. <clears throat> Let us pray and then we'll sing. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for uh, <clears throat> truth, Lord, that goes through the darkness of our day and our age. And, oh, Lord, help us to uh, set our hearts upon it and to uh, live in the light of that truth, Lord, and not to let it uh, not to let our lives be torn down, Lord, but that our thinking might be your kind of thinking, thinking that pleases you and blesses us. In Jesus' name, amen.